Why is it the same repetitive mistakes continue to rob salespeople of more commission checks, regardless of industry, size of company, or region of the globe? These same inhibitors are holding us back from reaching our full potential. Amongst many industry awards, Ian Selby achieved the accolade of top salesperson in the world at Apple. And in this podcast, he will discuss the issues that sales professionals encounter from his own experiences, confessing to the problems he has endured and how he overcame them, giving the benefit of his wisdom to everyone listening who work in the world of sales. To help you, he will reveal strategies to overcome the issues hurting salespeople and helping you reach new levels of sales success. Confessions of a Sales Pro. Lessons, more wins. With your host, Ian Selby. Welcome to Confessions of a Sales Pro. This week I have a very special guest, a gentleman by the name of David Pearson, CEO, Level 5 Selling in San Diego, California. Level 5 Selling are the developers of the Level 5 Selling and Coaching Systems. David has spent a good portion of his career in sales and leadership performance roles. He is a true practitioner. Prior to joining Level 5, he led sales for one of the largest industrial staffing providers, True Blue, where he was responsible for a $1.6 billion business unit with over 1,000 sellers. He also held uh, roles at CLO as, at, of Vistage, the largest CEO executive coaching organization, and led the sales channel for Miller Hyman, a well-known sales consulting firm. David had seen and experienced firsthand what it takes to drive growth and is passionate about the role of the sales leader in improving quality sales calls and output. Very, very impressive resume, David, and welcome to the show. Ian, thanks for having me on. It's, uh, it's, I'm so glad you were able to make the time. I, I know you and I have a number of things in common, including sh- that shared passion for the role of a sales leader and the impact they can have. So the, the, the focus this week for, for our listeners, is it's going to be all about creating level five salespeople and level five sales leaders. Uh, David, you've, you've led some large organizations. Uh, on, on that side of the desk in your past, what brought you to level five and why is sales coaching a passion of yours? Uh, well, thanks, Ian. And thank you for that really nice introduction. As you mentioned in the intro, I spent 11 years with Miller Hyman, which is a sales consulting and sales training company. And I've seen many, many implementations where people will buy a, a training program that has incredible intellectual property. I mean, it's the best out there. And then you'll find that they struggle to get it implemented. And in fact, a lot of times you'll find that when 60 days after somebody goes to a program, they go back to their old ways pretty quickly and they've forgotten most of what they learned. Six months later, you might not even see very many remnants of what was put in. Then I later went on to go lead a sales organization and I saw the same thing happen. We spent a ton of money to develop our people and make them better. And then we'd struggle to getting, getting it implemented. And I realized it came, it comes down to the frontline sales leader. And I know you know this. If you get the frontline sales leader interacting properly with salespeople and doing the right things from a coaching perspective, you see growth happen. You see revenue growth. You see increased margins. And even better, right now, especially, you see turnover reduce pretty dramatically too. Because we all want to be developed. We want to get better. And it just made me really passionate about it. I had an opportunity to join forces with uh, somebody I've known for 20 years, John Hoskins, 
who's very known in the industry, and he has developed the Level 5 coaching system. And now we're getting some good traction, and, and I'm just really passionate about this topic and having a lot of fun with it. It certainly sounds like it, David, and it's one you and I share. I, I completely agree that you know, of the 17,000-plus I've trained around the world, the real ones that make it work and make it last, it, it's all about the follow-up. It's about the coaching. Behavioral right. change doesn't happen by giving them their next binder. It happens by repetitive, as you know, and I, and I can't wait to reveal some of these secrets to our listeners. It's about getting it to be behavior and not a binder. So I, I love that you're passionate about this. It's, it's something that uh, we share, we have in common. So when Level 5 Selling was developed, you mentioned in your research that you viewed over 2,500 sales calls and surveyed over 400 sales leaders. David, what were some of the, the, the major nuggets that you must have found in that process? Yeah, thanks for asking that question. And you're right about those binders, Ian. I've got a ton of them on my shelves. <laughs> they look back at my bookshelves. <laughs> I've got to make this stuff work. I know. Hey, when, when we did our research, uh, looking at over 2,500 sales calls, there were some things that stood out. And one of them is pretty alarming. And it's the fact that as much as 60% of calls that we viewed are scrap and waste. And what we mean by that is, is that they fail to move the buying process forward. And when you fail to move the buying process forward, you fail to move the selling process forward. And you think about that, that is such a significant issue happening in companies right now. And I can talk a little bit about why that's occurring, but it's a major one. From a perspective of sales leaders, we found that, and we surveyed about 400 sales leaders, and what we found was that their sales leaders are very much focused on lagging indicators versus leading indicators. When they meet with salespeople, they'll talk about numbers that happened last quarter or numbers that happened last month or even last week. And they'll spend time talking about what's in the funnel, which makes sense. But most of what they're talking about are things that have already happened. And what ends up happening is we're memorializing what we already know. And the reality is there's very little time that we found is spent on leading indicators, which are those activities and behaviors that can change the trajectory of the funnel and change the outcome. And those that focus on those leading indicators see greater success. One of the other things we saw, too, is that there was a very big focus on quantity versus quality. And it, it's really a misplaced focus. And, you know, it makes sense. We have to have a certain number of at-bats to be successful. But, look, when you have 60% of scrap and waste, we better make sure our quality is really good when we do get in front of somebody. We spend very little time in front of people. We need to make sure it's good and, and there's good quality occurring. And, and we found there was a, not a lot of focus in that particular area. David, that's, that's alarming news. Like, and we know this from, from our sales history and our listeners, I'm sure would agree that it can be hard to get the right audience with a customer, right? Just getting that meeting can be half the battle in many ways. So with our commitment to doing that, if we get there and 60% of those calls end up scrapping waste, our quality's off. I mean, sure that I agree with you. We got to get up to bat, but that's working hard. We also have to work smart which is get a better outcome than 60% scrap and waste. That is just, that's, that's, how, that's a scary stat that you just shared with everybody. Um, and, and you look at it today, why, you know, what are the elements? And this is, this is going to be a jewel for the listener, I can tell. What are the elements of a quality sales call? The Level 5, the level five described it in, in the book. What, what, are, what are the elements there, David, that make good good 
when it comes to a quality sales call. Yeah, Ian, it's, it became really clear, look at these 2,500 sales calls, that they fall into five different categories, hence level five selling. And here's what they are. Level one is a, is a professional visitor. These are people who believe that friends buy from friends, never get into really, really deep, meaningful issues. And, you know, they, they just believe that by, by getting known, becoming friends with them, they're going to buy from you. You see about a 10 to 15% of calls fall in this particular category. The second level is, and, and by the way, there's, these are sales calls. I'm not talking about people. I'm talking about an individual sales call. You see, that's a professional visitor sales right. call. A level yeah. two is a price seller. And just like it sounds, uh, these are calls where the person will say, hey, what are you paying right now? I can get you a better price. But sometimes it's, maybe it's not that blatant. Sometimes they're actually trying to have a really good sales call. Customer drags them into a price discussion. They don't know how to bring it back to a value discussion. Yes. We find, yeah, it's so common. I know you see it. that It's about another about 10 to 15% of calls that fall in that particular category. Then you get to level three. And level three is a big one. And it's a technical teller. And what we find with a technical teller is these are people that come on the sales call. They'll come in and they'll spend their time telling. Let's talk about all of our product, or service, our solution. Let me tell you all the great things we do, why we're the best. And they'll do the demo and they'll do a great job at it. But you and I both know that when people are spending most of their time talking and telling, they're not doing a very good job differentiating. And they often create more objections when they do that. You, there's a large number. I would call this an epidemic because it's about 40 to 50% of calls that fall in this wow. particular category. It's significant. And it, you know, it kind of makes sense if you think about it. When we hire people, what do we do? We spend a ton of time training them about our product, service, and solution. We make sure they know it really well. And they just can't wait to go out and tell people about it. Now, what we found on those first three levels is that is where a majority of the scrap and waste happens. When we talk about that yes. 60%, most of it's happening right in there. Now, when you get to level four, that is the first level of professional selling. And what that is is the product service consultant. And these are people that come in, they ask great questions, they understand what's important to their customer, they link back a solution, they differentiate themselves, they gain commitment to keep the call moving forward. All the things you'd like a seller to do. A level four seller is very much focused on finding a fit for their product service or solution. And it is first level professional selling. And when you get to level five, it's a significant jump and that is a value creator. And a value creator does a lot of things you hear about in, in level four, but what they're doing is they're actually stepping out of their shoes into their customer's shoes and they're understanding their business and, and what, what makes them successful. And they're bringing new ideas and insights to the table. They're often helping to shape the solution through their insights and bringing value to the table. And what we find is that those people that are those people, when the sales calls happen at level four and level five level, you have significantly higher average revenue per rep and significantly higher average deal size when you get to those two categories. In fact, we have one customer where they took all their level one, two, and three reps and took the average revenue per rep in that, in two or categorizing those three areas and all their reps that are predominantly calling level four and five and they had a 91% increase and average revenue per rep for those who are in level four and five. It pays to figure out how to get them to that level four and five. 
Wow, that's significant. David, what a finding. That, that is, that's dramatic. I, and I love how you, you brought it down to, it's not the person, it's the activity. It's the sales call. So the person can develop and just move up the levels, right? They can get better and move from a three to a four and up to a five. I, something that, that, that resonated as you were describing it so well is going from PK to CK. PK is the product knowledge. That's probably the level, you know, two, the, the, the technical teller or the price sell, you know, it's like PK, PK versus CK, which is customer knowledge. The more you, you can understand the customer business, the impact your solution will have. Now you're playing with the value formula, which is B equals B minus C. Value equals benefit minus cost. Value doesn't equal cost. But if all you're doing is price selling, you know no different. That's such a significant number you found, 91%. Incredible. Now, most sales-focused research points to the fact that sales coaching is often considered uh, an, an initiative with one of the highest returns on investment. Yet people really struggle getting it right. I'm sure you find this. Do you think that it, that it is what, you know, the, the whole thing stands in the way of success? What's breaking it down? If people know the coaching's critical, to, to moving the bar and keeping it moved, where where's the potholes? Where are they making mistakes with this, David? It's interesting because it is probably the most talked about initiative out there and the least executed upon. And you say, why is that? Why does that happen? And there's a few things that I see that cause that to happen. I think one of them is, it's kind of what we talked about a minute ago, which is defining what a quality sales call looks like. What does good look like? Think about this. If, how would you, what, if we go into companies and we'll ask the frontline sales leaders, we'll say, I want you to individually identify what a quality sales call looks like. And they'll sit down, we'll ask them to do it individually, and they'll come back and they'll, they'll, we'll talk about it. You'll laugh because what happens almost every time, and for those of you listening, try this out. You will find that they don't have a common definition of it. You'll hear answers all over the board. How can you ever expect to achieve quality if your frontline sales leaders can't agree on what a quality output looks like? And if you think about it even further, what are they coaching to if that's the case? I mean, what, what, are they, what coaching are they providing if they don't know what the success looks like or they haven't agreed to what that looks like? I like to think about this in, a, in an example of Boeing. Uh, just imagine that the frontline leaders in a manufacturing environment couldn't agree on what a quality output looked like when they're building an airplane. We, we wouldn't be too excited about flying on a Boeing airplane. Now, thankfully, <laughs> Boeing, yeah, Boeing does. <laughs> and thankfully, in a manufacturing environment, you have things like Six Sigma and Lean and processes that make sure that there's a very clear agreement on what the process looks like and what success looks like. There's no reason that that same type of methodology cannot be applied in the sales function but you have to have a clear definition of what it looks like. So I think that's one I, thing that causes clarity. Fail. Clarity, you're right. I think another thing that causes them to fail too is breaking, you got to break a cycle of reactive coaching. This happens all the time. We find that sales leaders are, are very reactive in their approach in coaching. So they'll get a call and they'll say, oh yeah, let me provide you all my advice and they'll give the advice to the salesperson. And the reality is it's not very effective. Of course, we want to, we want to help people when they, when they need help. But where you can really make a difference is when you have a good plan in the way you go about your coaching. 
And you need to set aside time to make for coaching with an individual and to find what are those things that I can help them with and, and how am I going to move the needle? So it's not, you're not trying to move the needle on 10 different things. You're picking one or two where you can make a big difference in their output by helping them there. I, I love See, that you, you, you make that list short, David, that it's a couple of things. Let's, let's move the needle on those two things and you can build on that. But it takes a while to, to make it behavior, to, to get the repetition and to make it, you know, come off the tongue or through the brain in a, in a, in a nice fluent way. So you overload people sometimes with too much at once. They're already defeated because they're, 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 they don't even know what page they're on. I, I love your coaching analogy with the Boeing story. I also think about it in the world of sports. If a sales leader, um, you know, if there's no defined process, there's no definition of what good looks like. It's like one day they're coaching basketball, the next day they're coaching football, and day three they're trying to coach a hockey game. Who's that talented? We've got to define what game we're playing and how best it's played. Then we've all got a role to, to, to be synchronized in that journey together. I, I love what you said about that. So what are, like, uh, some, what are just some top tips, David, you would give sales leaders? And this is really about the leader, right? This is about coaching. So what are some top tips you might give sales leaders who are starting on their sales coaching journey? And how can maybe even salespeople, we also have to think about this. Some salespeople are, you know, one-man bands, if you will. They, they don't have a manager. So this question is two-way. It's, it's how could someone become, you know, start their journey sales coaching, and how can a salesperson self-coach themselves if they don't have a leader? Yeah, those are two very good questions. So from a leader standpoint, I talked about it. I start off very clearly, and no matter whether you use what I talk about for defining what a quality call looks like or you create your own, define what it looks like. That's going to be your number one thing that you do first. The other one that I would say to Ian is discuss, uh, spend time with your sales leaders to discuss their strengths and areas where, where there might be gaps. So rather than go in and say, hey, here's where I think you need to improve, Here's where I think your strengths are. If you have a definition of what good looks like, have a conversation with the salesperson by asking them great questions. Have them uncover what they believe their biggest strengths are and the areas that they think they have deficiencies or gaps where they can get better. I, I say this because the more the person owns, owns it rather than you telling them what to do, you're going to find a lot greater success. They're going to be much more receptive to learning and getting better. I call it the ask versus tell model. And I'll tell you, I've worked for sales leaders before who are incredible. And I've worked with sales leaders before who maybe aren't quite as incredible. <laughs> and those that are really polite, good. Eric. You're being polite. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> those that are really good always ask good questions. I had a guy that I worked with for, for quite some time. It was a time in my life where I grew the most in my career. He was the master at asking me questions. We defined what, what the outcome was going to look like. It was my job to figure out how to get there. And I'll tell you, I spent more time preparing for my meetings with him because if I ever had a hole in my strategy or what I was thinking, he would ask me a question and make sure <laughs> that I knew it. And, but it all, in the end, he, he drove me and he made me better through the questions that he asked. Those are some things that I would say. Love, and the last love thing, that story. Last it's about respect too. I, like, I like how you framed that because you obviously, there was mutual respect on the table between you and that coach you had, that leader you had. So oh, you wanted I respect you, you were prepared. You did your pre-work 
um, and you were trying to cover all the bases, but if he found something or questioned you on something, you'd probably like that feedback because there was, there was respect there. There was a, a, a duality there that, that, that was going on. I, I think I like what you said also, David, about ownership. I don't know how many times I say this uh, a week, but if a salesperson thinks of, of their territory or their portfolio of accounts, their book of customers as their own business, the level of ownership goes much higher. So who, who doesn't want to improve or increase the value of their business? And a coach is a resource that can help you do that. I really like, uh, I really like what you had to say about that. But David, in closing, any more little top tips for the listeners out there? Well, one thing you asked me that I didn't answer was the question about self-coaching. Yes. And when you have that plan of what the quality looks like, it becomes really easy for somebody to be able to walk out of a sales call and say, wow, that was not the type of call I wanted it to be. And it happens to all of us. I had a call recently where I got done with the call and I looked back and said, that was a level three call. What am I doing? I'm not a level three caller. I knew yeah. it right away. I knew where I went wrong and what I needed to do differently. And I think that helps in your self-coaching efforts. That's, that's wonderfully said. And, and having, you know, it would be such a great resource to have those, those level five definitions before you park the car, you know, before you get out of your car for the sales call, do a quick review, a, a quick snap of, okay, remember to stay up, up top. Don't, don't sit down to three or two, stay up at four and five. Um, and that, that's, that's something I, David, I want to thank you so much uh, for coming on the show this week and sharing these fabulous pearls of wisdom uh, with your experience on both sides of the desk as a trainer and a leader. Um, I, I'd love if there's a way we could get a hold of you. I just, I'm asking this on behalf of our listeners. I'm sure you sparked some interest of, about your books, your programs. How could people reach out to get a hold of you? Well, thank you, Ian, for that. And thank you for having me on. What a great discussion with you. I love your passion. If to learn more about level five selling, we have level five selling.com. Spell it out. F I B E. And you can reach me directly by just emailing me at David at level5selling.com. That's fantastic. Thanks again, David. Once again, my guest this week is David Pearson, CEO of Level 5 Selling in San Diego, California. Thank you again, David. Have a great day. Thanks, Ian. Appreciate it. You too. If you have found this episode informative and helpful, we would be honored and appreciative if you would share this podcast with other great salespeople like yourself. And we look forward to you joining us for all new episodes weekly, every Thursday. Please subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. If you'd like us to help you grow your sales commissions, visit us at salesmentoryou.com. Confessions of a Sales Pro. Lessons. More wins. With Ian Selby.